to try and make himself look more something better. Take all kinds of supplements and all kinds of whatever else, steroids and whatnot, to try and enhance the way he appears. Though all that will harm his health. This is all just a thing that's just the very making of this dunya, the amusement of this dunya. But tomorrow in the grave, even that flesh, that body, all that time and effort that was put in adorning it, all that is also going to turn to dust. And it's going to become food of the ants of the grave. So this is the position and this is the reality of dunya. Akhirat is eternal. Akhirat is never going to end. In order to understand the eternity of Akhirat, Masai has given an example. Supposing there was a huge room, huge room, for example, the size of an open field, football field or something, and it is filled right to the top with grains of rice. How big is a grain of rice? If you just this masjid, it has to be filled to the roof, it is millions, maybe billions of grains, Allah knows. Imagine a whole field. And if there was a bird that came every once in a century and picked up one grain, then comes back next century and will take another grain. How many centuries will it take? But one day, someday, that whole field will also get empty. It might take whatever number of centuries, but one day that will also still come to an end. But the Akhirat will never come to an end. Akhirat is beyond that as well. Can you imagine one bird coming to pick one grain once in a century? So, that means like eternity itself. But that too is not eternity because those grains are still limited. Akhirat is unlimited. And in this Akhirat Allah has, for those who make the sacrifice in this temporary dunya, very, very temporary dunya, those who make the sacrifice here, Allah has prepared for them the eternal bounties of the Akhirat. A'adattu li ibadiya salihin, ma la aynun ra'at, wa la udunun sami'at, wa la khatara ala qalbi bashar, O Kama Khalim Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabiya Khalim says that Allah Ta'ala says Haditha Qudsi Allah Ta'ala says I have prepared for my pious servants in Jannat what no eye has seen what no ear has heard of and what no heart can even imagine This is a very temporary phase some little sacrifices here sometimes in the process of those sacrifices a person is made to feel like he is being left out and he is sometimes belittled by those who seem to be having fun. Those who seem to be in the midst of all the entertainment, all the fitna and facade, in the midst of all the beauty and shamelessness. And this person is trying to stay clear from all the things that will displease Allah Ta'ala. So he is sometimes left out of the cold, in the cold. He is apparently alone, though he is never alone. When he is outwardly alone, Allah is more with him. But he sometimes belittled and sometimes mocked and jeered at you living in the camel ages, whatever else. But 
Bizim dünya hikayede ödül, ahiret dini bu İsmail'in. And in the day, on the day of kıyamet, he will, those who were laughing at him in dünya will be crying on that day. And he will be laughing on that day. What is the better thing? The better thing is to enjoy oneself here and suffer eternally, or to just undertake that little bit of pressure here, that little bit of difficulty and hardship here, but have the everlasting bounties of Jannah. So this is a very, very temporary place, very temporary phase of life, and inshallah, those who make that little sacrifice, Allah Ta'ala will bless them with what they cannot imagine. Let alone the akhirat, even in this very dunya, the peace and tranquility that will come in the heart, the whole world and its contents cannot buy it. So what will be the thing that will make this path easy? This is the whole of Deen. And in so many different ayat of the Quran a hadith of Rasulullah this detail of what is going to be the means of getting to this Jannah directly, this has been explained. Some muhaddisin have extracted four ahadith. You see this, all these details of deen, all these details of deen have been summarized in this four hadith. And out of those four ahadith, one hadith of Rasulullah is, So many muhaddisin say, Imam Dawi rahimahullah etc. say, that let alone the entire deen be summarized in the four hadith. <coughs> those four hadith, this one of those four, the other three are also summarized in this. Actually, this one hadith is a summary of what is required in deen in its entirety. Entire crux of the Quran Sharif of the hadith is in this one hadith. Rasulullah advised the Sahaba and he said to them, Ad-Deenun Nasiha. The Deen, Deen is what? Deen is Nasiha. Nasiha means what? Generally we use this word, in Urdu it's used, other languages it's used, Nasihat, means advice. What it actually means is, well-wishing. One meaning of Nasiha comes from the word that is used in the Arabic language, to make something pure. Nasahtul asl. And a person has removed all the impurities and just the pure honey is there. All the wax, whatever he has been has been taken out, just the honey, the pure honey is left. Then in the Arabic language this is described as Nasahtul Asal. So this indicates that Nasiha is that wherein there is this complete purity. There isn't any adulteration with some ulterior motive. It is pure. It is sincere. It is not something that a person is saying something, but the objective is something else. He is apparently advising a person towards good, but his objective is something beyond that. He is trying to get something out of this person. So that is obviously not what nasihat. And then the other thing about Nasihat is, it comes from the Arabic use of the word of sewing something. Now the cloth, the garment has torn, now he's sewing it. So he's mending it. And the person giving Nasihat and advice, 
His objective is to help, to mend what has been broken. Person's condition, something has broken there. Whichever way, in his deen, in his dunya. So now he's advising in a way that helps to mend this. But this is the very general meaning of this, what is termed as well-wishing. When a person is genuinely a well-wisher. But in this hadith, Nabi Wasallam, when he explains this, <coughs> deen is Masiha, the Sahaba inquired, for who is this Masiha? Nabi replied and said, Lillah. First thing, this Masihat is for Allah Ta'ala. Well-wishing for Allah Ta'ala. What does this well-wishing for Allah Ta'ala mean? In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala speaks about those people who are excused. لَيْسَ عَلَى الْمَرْضَى وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يُنْفِقُونَ مَا وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ حَرَجٌ لَيْسَ عَلَى الْضُعَفَاءِ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرْضَى Those who are very weak, those who are ill, those who don't have the ability, financial ability, to go out in the cause of Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala says that they are excused. They are called to stand up for the deen of Allah Ta'ala and they are too ill, too weak, they don't have any financial ability to absolutely do anything, go out at any point. Allah Ta'ala says they are excused. But, provided on one condition, إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ That there is no sin upon them, upon the weak, upon the ill, upon those who don't have the financial ability, there is no haraj upon them. Provided that, إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Provided they are well wishes for Allah and His Rasul Now, what? Does it mean to be a well-wisher of Allah and His Rasul That this is something that doesn't fall off at any time. The command of now going out in the cause of deen, in certain circumstances that was overlooked now. They find you are too weak, weak, you are ill, you are excused. You don't have to go. But you also cannot be excused from the well-wishing for Allah and His Rasul So this is like beyond everything. <coughs> What is this well-wishing all about? So there are various ways in which this is explained. On a more broader explanation, the well-wishing for Allah Ta'ala is that a person is obedient to Allah Ta'ala, fulfill all his commands, refrains from all the things Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. So this is the crux of it. But Allah Ta'ala is not in need of anybody's well-wishing. The benefit of this comes back to him. This is just merely a way of expression. It's a manner of expressing it that become your own well-wisher by being obedient to Allah. And likewise, well-wishing to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the person follows his way of life and he doesn't choose anything else above the way of life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He is very, very grateful to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for all the sacrifices he made. The most basic expression of that gratitude is the recitation of Guru Sharif. That is the most elementary level. That the regular and abundant recitation of Guru Sharif and the least amount is at least hundred times a day. 
Now, Nabi Sallallahu sacrifices and gave efforts for the Ummah, the hardships he underwent, so that we could today be taking the name of Allah Ta'ala. That is beyond our imagination. The least amount of gratitude that we can express is the abundant recitation of Guru Sharif. The real gratitude is that we totally submit ourselves to his way of life. This is in its general sense, but in the most specific sense is that, for example, now the person, there was a call to jihad and he cannot go because of his weakness, because of his illness, whatever the case is, he's not able to go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So he's excused from that, but the feeling of the heart that he has this sorrow and grief in his heart that I was not able to fulfill what Allah Ta'ala had required of me. That is something he is not excused from. To take it on a more closer level, a person, for example, he by chance chose because it is beyond his control. It was something that he didn't deliberately do. He had planned himself that something happened at the last moment that delayed him. Now suddenly he had a sudden urge to relieve himself. He was stomach started working. So now by the time he went and got so, uh, relieved himself, made wudu, etc. Because all this happened now at the last moment, Jamaat went out. Obviously, he's excused from that, but he will have the sorrow and grief in his heart. This is the dictates of this nasihat for Allah and Rasulullah. That he will still have this grief and sorrow in his heart. Why didn't I plan myself beforehand properly and go and finish off with whatever was necessary so that I would not have missed my jamaat? Now, when a person has this nasihat for Allah and his Nabi Sallallahu that this will be the condition of his heart. So Abu Talha is performing his nafil salah. Performing nafil salah in his orchard, in his garden. And one bird comes and starts flying around and then gets stuck in the dense foliage of that garden. And now it starts fluttering around a little. So his attention was caught by this bird. So because the attention was caught by the bird, he got distracted a bit by the, from the salah. So when he completed his salah, he came to Rasulullah and he says that this entire garden, this is sadaqah. This is sadaqah because this distracted me from my salah. So for a short while, brief moment, this distracted me from my salah. Now what was the level of his nasiha? That this little distraction, one Ansari in the time of Hazrat Usman similar thing happened and his attention got distracted in his orchard because of something similar and he forgot the number of rakat that he was performing. It came to Rasman Nabi Allah said, I am now parting with this. This became a distraction. Rasman Nabi Allah sold it and spent the money in the cause of Deen. He sold it for, in that era and time, 50,000 dirham. 50,000 dirhams. It was not just a garden patch behind the house somewhere. This was a whole orchard. So for 50,000 dirhams, he sold us off. 
Now, this was the grief in the heart for just this distraction. And let alone missing Salah would forget the distraction. Let alone missing Salah with Jamaat. Allah forbid sometimes the Salah becomes Qaza also. The person still feels that if he made the Qaza, he still regards himself as pious. And the question of any grief, no grief. Whereas just upon the missing of Jamaat, Muhammad bin Sabbat rahimahullah, very great Muhaddis Faqih, he once missed his Salah with Jamaat. By chance, something that he never ever missed his takbir ula for 40, 40 years. Didn't miss his takbir ula for 40 years. Once by chance his mother passed away, something happened, he missed his salah with jamaat. So he started making up that salah, he started performing it one after the other 27 times. Because the reward of performing salah with jamaat is 27 times more than the salah performed individually. Another person performs the salah individually, compare that to getting 27 times reward for performing the jamaat. Mm. A person is told that, okay, you uh, sell this item here, but the people buying it here will buy it for 100 grand. But you go and sell it there, that place, one kilometer down the road, they will be able to sell it for 2,700 grand. Mm. <coughs> so now I say, no, I'll, I'll content on 100 grand. MashaAllah, what a wonderful businessman he would be. <laughs> Is there any businessman in dunya we can find like that? He'll say for 2,700 too much. Instead of 100 grand, I'll get 200 grand down the road for a very good So this is the business of Akhirat. Allah Ta'ala also describes in the Quran Sharif a business. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, hal adullukum ala tijaratin tunziikum min azabin alim. I will not show you a tijarat, a business. Allah Ta'ala also describes it as a business in the Quran Sharif. Describe it because of Allah Ta'ala with your life, with your wealth. This is a tijarat, Allah Ta'ala is a business. So if there are times when some only focus on the business of dunya, and there are those who focus on the business of Akhirat. The business of dunya will carry on. But the real business is the business of Akhirat. So now they are looking for those rewards. They are looking for every little reward they can get. What about 27 times more reward? Now he started performing the Salah 27 times. In order to get this reward 27 times. So when he did this, either it was in a dream he saw or somebody to know this is what he was doing. We told him, fine, you performed it 27 times. What are you going to do about missing out the Ameen of the Malaika? In the Hadith Sharif, Hadith Islam says, when a person is behind the Imam, and the Imam completes his Surah Al-Fatiha, he says, Walabbaldeen. So then it is Sunnah to say Ameen. Silently, according to some Ayyama, little voice, but to say Ameen is Sunnah, call it everybody. And in the Hadith, the Prophet says, Man wafaqa ta'meenuhu ta'meen al-malaika ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min zambi. And he said, Imam, and the Imam said, Ameen, 
As the Imam said, what a at that time the angels also say Amin. And now he also said Amin in that moment, and it's his, his Amin coincided with the Amin of the angels. Now, when it will coincide, will he pay attention? He's attentive to the recitation of the Imam. So now he was alert, he was awake. The Imam said, Am, one of Baldin, so he said, Amin. Angel said, Amin, he said, Amin. If his Amin coincided with the Amin of the angels, all his past minor sins are forgiven. The person is being told now that fine, you performed it 27 times. How are you going to make up for the loss of this Amin? Of coinciding your Amin with the Amin of the angels, how are you going to make up for this? Is there any compensation for that? That is gone. That is gone forever. And let alone making it 27 times, a person can make it a thousand times also. He can still not get the reward of having made it with the Jamaat itself. That is something in itself. A great thing that he made his Salah with Jamaat. So, the Salah with Jamaat is a very, very great thing. I think there are various levels. Sultan says the person performs Salah, two people performing Salah with Jamaat, or three people is better than one person performing it individually, and then uh, two people, and two people performing it in Jamaat, compared to them, it's better that four people are performing it in Jamaat, then it comes to eight people. Nabi Sultan says eight people performing it individually, eight people performing the Salah in Jamaat. Is better than a hundred people performing the salah individually. Come out of eight people, their salah, the reward combined is better than a hundred people individually performing the salah. How is the person going to make up for that? Can't make up for it. So this nasihat now, this is where we are, what we are discussing and we digress from the aspect of this well wishing for Allah. <coughs> That when he has missed out on something, when he has missed out on something, he's not casual about it. He's not that, well, something came and went, so what difference it makes? No, he feels something within him. How did I miss out on this? And if he's excused also, he's excused obviously, but even in the condition of being excused, he still feels the sorrow of having missed out. Then he is truly possessing this nasihat. And this is the crux of deen. This one hadith summarizes the whole of deen. And this nasihat is in every aspect of life. It's not confined to any one aspect. In every aspect of life. In the hadith, thereafter, the hadith says, Nasihat and well-wishing for the book of Allah Ta'ala, for the Qur'an Sharif. The well-wishing for the Qur'an Sharif is that the Qur'an Sharif is recited daily. It is made amal upon, it is conveyed to others all the other various rites of the Qur'an Sharif are fulfilled, then the well-wishing for the leaders of deen, that they are supported in the work of deen, in fulfilling the commands of Allah wa ta'ala, in all the other various aspects. This refers to even the rulers and those who are the leaders of deen. And then, wali him for every single human being, every single Muslim, person has that well-wishing for every single Muslim in his heart. And this well-wishing is well-wishing for the Akhirat. That he is concerned about how every person can be saved from the punishment of Allah Ta'ala, 
taken to Jannah. That's where he is concerned. And well wishing for their dunya also. At every level, he's well wishing for them. There was one great faqeeh, Muhaddith Abu Layth Rahmatullahi. So, he was a very, very generous person, extremely generous. He had many incidents about his generosity. Just one incident before the incident that we want to discuss, that one somebody came to him, that one woman came to his door, that my husband is very ill and I want one cup of honey. So he sent a message to the person who was in charge of his treasury and give her one bag, one whole bag which was like about 60 kilos. Hmm. Give her the 60 kilos full of honey. That person came little baffled. This person came for one cup of honey. He said, give her 60, the whole bag full, which is 60 kilos, leather bag. You see, she asked according to her capacity. We will give according to our capacity. She came according to what her capacity was. She gave one cup. Allah Ta'ala addressed us accordingly. We will give according to our capacity. It was his heart. So once some people came to buy some fruit from him. The other amazing thing about him is that he had a lot of farmland and whatever. And the income that used to come through these crops was approximately 50,000 dinars annually. 50,000 gold coins, 50,000 krugerans a year for his earnings. And apart from that, he had other income from some businesses. So his total income was 70 to 80,000 dinars a year. And it is said about him that zakat never ever became compulsory upon him. person is earning 70, 80,000 gold coins a year. And zakat never ever became compulsory upon him. How is that possible? Because he never kept so much that it amounted to even the nisab of zakat. Came and it went. And he just carried on fishing it out. In any case, once some people came to buy some fruit from him, they bought a whole consignment of fruit. After they bought it, they now, for some reason, felt that this is a bit expensive. It's not what we thought that we'd be able to take it back home and sell it for. By the time we get home, all the costs of taking it and whatever else, you're not going to be able to make any good profit out of it. So now they decided that they wanted to cancel the sale. Cancelling the sale, this is based on the willing, uh, willingness of both parties. Some that iqala. It's a very great virtue. Man aqala naziman. says the person who is now regretting the, say, the, the transaction that he did and he now wants to cancel the sale, the person who accepts this and cancels the sale for him. Allah Ta'ala will cancel his sins on the day of Qiyamah. This is the way that Nabi Islam has taught us. This is the etiquette, business etiquette that Nabi Islam has taught. And we have left out what is ours. Others are prospering in dunya having taken what is ours. It's not that they have anything of their own. If they are prospering, they are prospering on what they have taken from the Muslims. And the Muslims have 
suffered because they left our bodies their own day. So in any case, these people now bought this whole consignment of food, and now they decided they want to cut through the table. So they came to him, they took the cut through the table, so he cut through the table, took the food back, gave them the money. Then he asked for his money bag, wherever his money was kept, and he took out a hundred dirhams, hundred silver coins. And then those days, hundred silver coins were worth of 